Pray with me. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy upon us. Amen. What we have just heard from John's account of what some would call the lynching of the Messiah is arresting. We see through John's eyes as corrupt crowds come on the heels of the traitor to seize that gentle servant of Yahweh, bearing the iniquity of us all. Even as he is oppressed and afflicted, we see that Lamb who is I am, whose very proclamation of his name brings the rioting rabble to quiet on the gravel as they bow against their own will before him. This Lamb we watch as he surrenders himself willingly, drinking the cup of wrath that the Father has set before him. He humbles himself to be led before a mockery of justice. He who is the king of the cosmos and is our only advocate, the righteous one, tolerates the petty hatred of small men as they justify their injustice in pure, disgusting arrogance, blind to God and blind to their own hearts. We look on as Pilate, the oppressor, indeed a brutal and murderous man, so callous from his own atrocities that he can no longer even conceive of the possibility of real truth. Yet we look on and see him crumbling before the face of his own subject, who he cannot help but call a king. As John directs our gaze, we witness as Pilate, in all the power of man, yields to the power of hell. Against his own will, against his own judgment, he is bound by threats of the heathen horde and sentences the word to death. From start to finish, all we see in these two chapters is chaos. All we see are events unfolding as they should not unfold. It is the wildness of the wilderness. And there is a reason for this. John gives us a hint earlier in his gospel. It's at the end of the Last Supper in chapter 13. After Jesus warns the twelve that one of them will betray him, John tells us that Satan enters Judas and, receiving a morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was the night. It was the night. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that John was not merely referring to a time of day. No, it was the night. It was that time when nothing good can happen. 
that time when everyone does as he or she pleases because the cloak of darkness hides us from each other, hides us from our own guilt and shame. Make no mistake, even though it was noon when they nailed God to the cross, it was still the night. The sun was not confused. Creation went dark as the breath of God, the breath of life, suffocated because it was the night. Sisters and brothers, wayward sheep all, it is still the night. Our Good Friday services are not simply pageantry to make the celebration of Easter all the merrier. As sure as we are that day will break upon us, we must also acknowledge today how the shadows linger. It is not just some story that happened long ago. How many different ways have you said, we have no king but Caesar? How often have I sold out my friend for 30 pieces of silver or rejected him? when he needed me most. How good have we gotten at distancing ourselves from the culpability, from the fault and consequence of our actions, of the wretchedness in each of us. What the heart desires, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. We are all just hiding in the dark. Lord, have mercy upon us. It is the night. That is, of course, only part of what John shows us on this Good Friday. For even the thickest gloom, there is still the light of the world shining bright enough that we in our hiding have enough sight to see ourselves if we are willing. Are you willing to look on Christ, Christ that he might show you every bit of you that must be crucified before your own resurrection? Will you seek with me to find those ways that we have been hiding and come humbly to the foot of the cross? Do not miss this opportunity to let the goodness of our God lead you out from yourself today. In a few moments, you'll be invited to come kneel in devotion before the cross, knowing that it is indeed the night. I urge you to fix your eyes on the light. Though it seemed to be snuffed out, It could never be extinguished. And I'll leave you with a challenge issued by John Donne. Hast thou gone about to redeem thy sin by fasting, by alms, by disciplines and mortifications, in a way of satisfaction to the justice of God? That will not serve. That is not the right way. We press an utter crucifying of that sin that governs thee, and that conforms thee to Christ.
towards noon, Pilate gave the judgment. And they made such haste to execution as that by noon, he was upon the cross. There now hangs that sacred body upon the cross, rebaptized in his own tears and sweat and embalmed in his own blood alive. There are those bowels of compassion which are so conspicuous, so manifested, as that you may see them through his wounds. There those glorious eyes grew faint in their sight, so as the sun, ashamed to survive them, departed with his light too. And then that Son of God, who was never from us, and yet had now come a new way unto us in assuming our nature, delivers that soul, which was never out of his Father's hand, by a new way, a voluntary omission of it into his Father's hands. For though to this God our Lord belonged these issues of death, so that considered in his own contract he must necessarily die, yet at no breach or battery which they had made upon his sacred body issued his soul, but amidst it he gave up the ghost." And as God breathed a soul into the first Adam, so this second Adam breathed his soul into God, into the hands of God. There we leave you in that blessed dependency to hang upon him that hangs upon the cross. There bathe in his tears. There suck at his wounds and lie down in peace in his grave till he vouchsafe you a resurrection and an ascension into that kingdom which he hath prepared for you with the inestimable price of his incorruptible blood. Amen.